Journey into comics. Poor entertainment. Poor news. Foodies watching movies. Adulting 80s. Podcast read the voice of survival. Kids for sale. Gallif Radio. Bruise with dudes. Journey into wrestling. Journey into comics network. Journeyintocomics.com. The following, following. The following. Is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Hey yo, hi yo. This is Nick Maxson from Bruise with Dudes, and you are about to embark on the Journey into Comics Best of the Week show, featuring highlights from all episodes on the network this week. So go ahead and sit back, crack open a tasty brew, and enjoy. And here we. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey Into Comics. Man, I've not really been doing a whole lot of much. Um, Kind of recovering. We've had some pretty... um, That's not the word I want to use. Painful isn't the word I want to use. But we've had some pretty injury-laden shows as of late for Walk Among Us. And we, we play... We've already played in Future Tense because it's Monday, but we will be playing tomorrow for you and me um, at the Brower House, and then we're off for a couple weeks, and uh, other than that, I've just been kind of in recovery mode. Finished up the kitchen, which has been nice, um, but I don't really that, have much else to report. That type of accomplishment always feels good, though, because it's something tactile. You can look at it and say, I finished that. Yeah, I definitely did, and I also have, like, the smallest four lines of paint to do for it to be 100% finished. It, it always ends up that way. We we painted our kitchen like back in February and there's still like four lines of paint that we need to finish that I at this point have just decided to give up on. I'll get to it one day. It'll yeah. be cold in the winter. You'll be sitting at home in a snow day or some shit. You'll be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm painting those four fucking lines. All four of them. Maybe just two of them, but I'm going to shoot for all four of them. You'll get started and then get discouraged. and uh, that, I, Painting, It's sometimes it can be a task, but that's not what we're here for. We're here for comics. <laughs> this Let's is not- a journey, journey into painting. That's a Bob Ross fucking show, bro. Yes. Oh my yes. god, that would be great. Just I wish little, I was uh, Bob Ross. Just put a little dab of a little uh, snowy dusk right here. Just a. It's dab a happy. In there. It's a happy dab. It's a happy little dab there. We're just gonna uh, make little mountains, little mountains out of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fucking love Bob Ross. Oh, dude. I do too, man. Oh, I do he's too. R.I.P. Bob Ross. Yeah, wherever you're at, R.I.P. Man, where do you want to start today? If you could flip a coin, we've got kind of t- the two major veins of comic books in the mainstream to, to discuss things about. There's lots of things. We're on the cusp of one movie. We're at the end of an era, possibly. Uh, where do you want to go? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start us off with DC here this fine Friday evening as we record. Yeah. Um, because earlier this past week, uh, there's a little bit of controversy with Henry Cavill and his future uh, as Superman. And I'll be completely honest with you, it, it triggered me pretty hard. Um, you know, every, every episode that we've dove really hard into DC on Podcastrophe... You know, I've I, like Atlas holding up the Earth. I've put Henry Cavill up on the pedestal, uh, and 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 said, 
This is the guy that you want to play Superman. This is the guy that you want to... If someone says the word Superman, Henry Cavill's face is is the face that you want to see. Um, wow, that's a massive train of argument. Yeah, I was I was gonna middle. say I couldn't tell if that was coming from me or from no. You. That's definitely me. That's like the seventh train since I sat down to podcast today. But but Henry Cavill is the guy, and you know. As we continue this conversation, I'm going to get a little bit into Ben Affleck, too, because, again, this past week, we got more Ben Affleck as Batman controversy, and I I just don't know what the hell DC and Warner Brothers, what, what, what path they're trying to take here. Well, right now, I feel like they're kind of at a crossroads. They recognize that the Snyder era is maybe not the best era, and I, I know that that comes with some backlash because while Man of Steel is a good film, it did have some problems. Batman vs. Superman is an okay film. It has a lots of problems. Justice League is a really good film with a couple problems. Um, Justice League, I will watch fucking Justice League. You want to talk about Henry Cavill? On the strength of the one scene where he is holding the entire Justice League back like a motherfucking gangster. You know the the scene that really got me in that movie? What when, it is. When well, it's two, but when uh the Flash goes to run around Superman and his eyes just catch the Flash and Flash his, is like his head isn't moving, but you see his fucking eye following the Flash every step that he takes. That that was such fantastic cinematography. That Absolutely. whole scene, and then the scene where um, after that that scene where uh, Batman and Wonder Woman are kind of having their heart to heart, and after he got the shit beat out of him, you know, you see you see old Batfleck all bruised and battered, and he is still willing to do what needs to be done after Superman could have killed him at any given time during that exchange. Those were both really powerful scenes for me. And, you know, I agree with everything that you said about Man of Steel. Um, I'm actually one of the few people, here's the unpopular opinion again, <laughs> that re- that really liked BVS. Um, and that, that was before I even saw the extended or director's cut with all the stuff that they removed from the film. I actually really enjoyed that. The writing was, you know, kind of campy and, and boring at times. Um, but Warner Brothers in DC, the Snyder era has not struggled from acting. It has not struggled from production value. It has struggled from producer and director's ability and writing. Vision, I think is a big word. That kind of encompasses it all. So that's, that's a great way to put it. If they would have spent a little bit more on the budget for a little bit better uh, talent as far as the writers go, uh, I mean, because if you go from Man of Steel to Justice League and you connect all the dots of the story that they're trying to tell, there's a good story to be told in all of that. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's just, it's it's all the little stuff that, that is killing this franchise. Because they don't think about the nuances of every small step. They aren't building long term. They built 
listen, it's like a fucking, it's like this. It's like, um, what's that guy's name? The fast motherfucker. Bowl. What? I can't think of his name. The guy, the fast dude. The, the, the Kenyan something bowl. Oh, the, the guy from Jamaica? Usain Bolt. Usain Who's, Bolt. Usain Bolt, yeah. Thank you. Okay, so Usain Bolt, right? It's like Marvel was Usain Bolt because they just got out of the gate first. Mm-hmm. And I feel like DC started when they walked to the track to have the race. They had both their legs. But by the time they realized how far behind they were, they weren't just far behind. They were also missing one of their fucking legs. And they tried to just say, we can jump right to our Justice League and make it happen. And they and tripped and fell and poked one of their eyes out, too. Totally. It was like that, uh, whatever, standing outside the fire Garth Brooks video, if you remember that, where the fucking <laughs> guy's fucking trying to run in the track and he fucking gets hurt. Good God, man. You were That's the a- only person that would bring up that music video. I don't know how I remember it genuinely. It's I'm really, really weird. glad that you did. It was that because you know it's fucking weird. My parents like got divorced when I was eight, and all they did was listen to country music. So I remember that video, the Garth Brooks video, and then Travis Tritt had fucking some video, and a girl like hits her head in a boat and fucking dies or some shit, and oh, that yeah. shit's depressing. Oh yeah, those are the ones that stuck in my head forever. Like they're just in there for some weird ass reason. Mm. But so, so kind of back on track away from 90s country music. I'm just, I'm really, and you know, I, I know that uh, as we dig through the news coming out about this, I know that a lot of it is scheduling conflict at this point with Cavill um, because he's taking the role of one of my favorite uh, characters from any media in uh, Geralt of Rivia as the star of the new uh, Witcher Netflix series. So I'm really I'm really excited for that, and I'm really excited to see Cavill uh, get more and more exposure as an actor because I think he has the talent and he deserves it. Um, but I don't know... I, I've had this conversation about, about three people or three characters. with. I know I've had this conversation with you before. Henry Cavill as Superman, Ben Affleck as Batman, and Hugh Jackman as Logan. I don't, I cannot think of someone to replace any of those actors with. And from comicbook.com, I have a list of eight actors who could replace Henry Cavill as Superman. Okay. I, fi- I figured this would be a good place to start and go through this. Well, can we also, I don't think we actually officially said yet, though. Warner Brothers officially released a statement essentially saying that they were cutting some form of ties with Henry Cavill and they have no plans for future Superman movies or to include him in any future uh, DCEU movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, back well, to it. And, th- and then there was also the tweet or press release from his his agent or his producer that said, you know, the cape is still in our closet. Yeah, uh, Danny Garcia says, Thank be you. peaceful. The cape is still in his closet. WB Pictures has been and continues to be our partners as they evolve the DC Universe. Anticipate a WB statement later today. But- so, so <clears throat> basically two conflicting statements, which just makes this that much more confusing. Um, 
I also have a list of Ben Affleck replacements for Batman, so I would like to go through that one as well. Um, but the couple, so from uh, comicbook.com, the, um, I guess, uh, parameters f- for this list. Um, so first and foremost, the, this list is being made under the simple assumption that Cavill does indeed leave the Superman role behind. Uh, number two, race does not matter. Superman is literally an alien from outer space. He can be of any ethnicity. I like that they put that one in there. Love it. Uh, the actor has to be in a position where he could actually take the role. So, Oh, I like that's an interesting caveat, not just throwing fucking darts at a dartboard going, hopefully this guy will take it. Right, and uh, they they added a little bit more to that. This is to keep things slightly realistic and also to keep myself from including no one but Sebastian Stan and Chadwick Boseman on the list. So, I mean, if someone is willing to not fanboy themselves about, you know, one of the most iconic characters of all time, I think this is a legitimate list. At least yeah. I ho- at least I'm interested to see what you think about it. So, with no further ado, uh, the first one is Tyler Hoechlin. Oh my God! Yes, I know it, him because he is the Arrowverse correct. Superman, and it's, I think it, he does phenomenal. It's a, the caption for his image is this may be cheating just a little bit considering Tyler is already playing Superman in the CW's Arrowverse, but he's just so damn good at it. Um, I am not caught up on any of the WB uh, series. So I have never seen this guy before this image that I'm looking at right now. So I I can't really comment on his ability, but if if people are saying he does a good job playing Superman on one of the network TV shows, let him do it. I to- I totally agree. Uh, Tyler is mainly known for his role as Superman in the Supergirl show. Okay. Uh, so he appeared in season two when CW got the rights to use Supergirl because CBS uh, it didn't renew the contract or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and now they're kicking ass in their third or fourth season. Uh, I Tyler, w- Tyler Hoechlin is really, I think he, you know, he doesn't, he hasn't really been Clark Kent that much, um, but his Superman ability has been pretty great. So I'm, cool. I'm really looking forward to the possibility of that. You never even know. From, excuse me, from what I've watched of the CW shows, I would like to see a little bit, and and for the Marvel uh, shows too, I would like to see a little bit more crossover from what's going on, the Netflix shows or the network TV shows, and what's actually going on on the silver screen too. I think especially now where we're at with Marvel, with these giant crossover events, um, the people that are doing a fantastic job you know, as the TV stars and versions of these characters, I think they deserve at least a cameo or a shout out. Um, totally. Because every one of these shows, even um, what's the bad one? Uh, Iron Fist. Even Iron Fist has a dedicated following of fans supporting that show because they love that character so much. Um so, not to get too deep in this one guy, but the next one is uh, part of the controversy that we heard last week. It's Michael B. Jordan. I love I, the possibility of this. I hate the possibility of this. 
you didn't like him as Killmonger. I love Michael B. Jordan as an actor. I think he has superb talent. I did not enjoy him as Killmonger because it felt too over the top. Okay. It it was it was trying too hard to exemplify growing up in Oakland, California in the projects. Just be just be normal and then you don't I mean, you know what you know what I'm trying to say? We interrupt the Journey into Comics Network feed for this late-breaking edition of Poor News, featuring Andrew Poor. This is an article from the New York Times that is, uh, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee under mounting pressure from senators of his own party will call President Trump's Supreme Court nominee Judge Brett M. Kavanaugh and the woman who had accused him of sexual assault before the committee on Monday for extraordinary public hearings just weeks before the midterms elections. Senator John Kennedy... Republican of Louisiana told reporters Monday afternoon that the chairman, Senator Charles E. Grassley, Republican of Iowa, told senators that there would be an opportunity for senators to hear from Judge Kavanaugh and his accuser, Christine Blasey Ford, in a public setting where senators would be able to ask questions. Both have said they were willing to testify. A Senate Republican aide confirmed that it would be on Monday, effectively delayed a planned, sub- planned committee vote on Judge Kavanaugh's nomination, which had been scheduled for this Thursday. Judge Kavanaugh looks forward to hearing where he can hear his name on of this false allegation. Clear his name, not hear his name. He will stand ready to testify tomorrow as if Senate is ready to hear him, White House spokesman Raj Shah said. The hearings will set up a potentially explosive public showdown, one that carries unmistakable echoes of the 1991 testimony of Anita Hill, who accused the future Justice Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment, an episode that riveted the nation and ushered a slew of women into public office. It will play out against the backdrop of the Me Too movement, which has energized Democratic women across the nation. Mr. Trump on Monday vigorously defended his nominee, calling him an outstanding judge with an unblemished record and dismissed as ridiculous the prospect that Judge Kavanaugh might withdraw his nomination. Nevertheless, he told the reporters that he was willing to accept a delay in the judge's path to confirmation in order to air the new information. He's somebody very special. At the same time, we want to go through a process. We want to make sure everything is perfect, everything is just right. Mr. Trump told reporters at the White House, if it takes a little delay, it will take a little delay. It should certainly be very much. The willingness of accuser and accused to testify publicly carried the potential for a high-profile hearing over the charge, with a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court at stake. Dr. Blasey, he said, Judge Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her at a social gathering in the 1980s when they were both teenagers. Judge Kavanaugh has categorically denied the allegations, which Dr. Basley, a research psychologist, detailed in a letter sent in July to Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, the top Democrat on the Judiciary Committee, who kept its existence secret until last week. By Monday, both the letter and Dr. Blaze's identity had spilled out to the open, sending official Washington reeling and intensifying what had already been a nasty partisan battle over Judge Kavanaugh's confirmation. With the Senate Judiciary Committee scheduled to vote on the confirmation Thursday, a vote that now looks like it will almost certainly be delayed, Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, the Republican leader, angrily assailed Democrats for raising the allegations at the last minute. Senator Chuck Schumer of New York, the Democratic leader, demanded the FBI investigate and raise questions about Judge Kavanaugh's veracity. Senators of both parties demand hearings. Among them was a key Republican who may hold Judge Kavanaugh's fate in her hands. Senator Susan Collins of Maine, who told reporters that if Judge Kavanaugh lied, it would disqualify him. Obviously, if Judge Kavanaugh has lied about what happened, that would be disqualifying, she said. She added, for my part, I believe that it's very important that both Professor Ford and Judge Kavanaugh testify under oath about these allegations. I need to see them and listen to their answers to the questions in order to make an assessment. Washington ad advocacy machinery also sprang to life. A conservative accuracy group said it would spend $1.5 million on a television advertising campaign to defend Judge Kavanaugh, 
while Liberal Group announced a $700,000 ad buy intended to pressure senators in swing states. Allies of Judge Kavanaugh made public letters from two ex-girlfriends attesting to his character while a hashtag sprang on Twitter, hashtag Believe Christine. So you know this will be a very partisan thing in an already partisan climate that we're existing in where Democrats and Republicans are already at each other's throats about all of this. It seems like there's no seeing of this backing down. And it seems like people are willing to spend a ton of money for this on both sides and seems like the conservative party always seems to have a little bit more money to spare for ad buys and kind of speaking of what's been kind of going on with this whole thing i thought it was interesting after this came out a letter miraculously came into being that was from 65 women so this is a a fox article so 65 women defend kavanaugh as a good person amid allegations So more than five dozen women came forward Friday to defend Supreme Court nominee Judge Brett Kavanaugh against an alleged high school incident calling President Trump's picks for the high court a, quote, good person. These five women who claim to have known Kavanaugh for more than 35 years penned a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee to vouch for his character. We are women who have known Brett Kavanaugh for more than 35 years and knew him while he attended high school between 1979 and 1983. For the entire time we have known Brett Kavanaugh, he has was be, uh, he has behaved honorably and treated women with respect. The letter read, We strongly believe that it is important to convey this information to the committee at this time. The women wrote that while Kavanaugh attended Georgetown Preparatory School and All Boys High School in Bethesda, Maryland, they knew him through social events, sports, church, and various other activities. Many of us remain close friends with him and his family over the years, though through the more than 35 years we have known him, Brett has stood out for his friendship, character, and integrity. They wrote, in particular, he was always treated women with decency and respect. This was true when he was in high school and has remained true to this day. They added, the signers of this letter hold a broad range of political views. Many of us are not lawyers, but we know Brett Kavanaugh as a person, and as he has always been a good person. The letter comes made a controversy ignited by Senate Judiciary Committee ranking member Dianne Feinstein, the Democrat from California, who released a statement this week saying that she has turned information about Kavanaugh over to the FBI, should not detail the accusation, and Republicans accused her of trying to orchestrate a last-minute smear. I've received information from an individual concerning the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Finds he said in a surprise on, but the individual strongly requested confidentiality declined to come forward or to press the matter further, and I have honored their decision. I have, however, referred to the matter of federal investigation authorities. Fox News confirmed that the women involved an allegation about Kavanaugh while in high school in the 1980s. A woman who was also in high school at the time accused Kavanaugh of holding her down and forcing and trying to force himself on her during a party before she got away. The details were first reported by The New Yorker. The woman also claimed Kavanaugh was joined at the time by a friend who turned up music to conceal her protest. The unnamed classmate quoted in the New York article as having no recollection of that is Mark Judge. Fox News confirmed. His entity was first reported by the Weekly Standard. Just absolutely nuts. I never saw Brett act this way, Judge said. I still does not know the identity of the woman who made the allegations. Kavanaugh denied the allegations Friday. I categorically and unequivocally deny this allegation. I did not do this back in high school or at any time, Kavanaugh 53 said in a statement. The White House blasted the charges on Thursday. Not until the eve of this confirmation as Senator Feinstein anyone raised the specter of new information about him, White House spokesperson Kerry Kupek said in a statement. The decision comes after Kavanaugh's Capitol confirmation grilling and ahead of the committee vote on sending his nomination to the full Senate. The FBI conducts background checks on all major government appointees, including Supreme Court nominees. Upon receipt of the information on the night of September 12th, we were... We included it as part of Judge Kavanaugh's background file as per the standard process, the FBI said in a statement. Fox News had learned that the White House would need to request that the Bureau follow up on the letter for the matter to be investigated further. Despite the controversy, the Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley said there was no plan to delay Kavanaugh's confirmation. Grassley said the panel vote on Kavanaugh for December 20th, and Republicans hoped to confirm him by the start of the new court session on October 1st. 
one thing I find interesting about this, yes, women came forward and defended him, but it seems weird that almost overnight, a letter from 65 women who I'm guessing aren't all friends, they weren't just hanging out and be like, oh, let's all write a letter. Like, these are 65 women from back in high school days that, though they claimed to still be friends with him, were not all hanging out or on like a Facebook group like, hey, let's all hang out and talk because our friend Brett Kavanaugh is going to be Supreme Court Justice. Oh no, this happened. Let's all write a letter to Congress. Or to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Like, that seems weird. It's almost like they had this... They already vetted 65 women and be like, was he good? He was good. Okay, well, can you sign this? Saying he was good and that he didn't do what he's claimed to be doing? What do you claim to do? Oh, don't worry about it. If it comes up, we'll need this. If not, don't worry about it. Like, it seems a little weird that I don't know where a letter of 65 women. Like, who just has that ready? Like, I think if I had to get a letter tomorrow that from 65 women that I know from high school, just, and this has only been 10 years later, that said, like, I'm a good person, even with Facebook, I don't think I can get those letters signed in 12 hours. Like, I don't think that's possible. And it's been 10 years since high school. This guy's been out of high school for 35. Like, I don't know how that even works. So... That's just my two cents on it. I'm curious to see how the rest of this goes down. Definitely by the next poor report, we should have some more information about uh, Judge Kavanaugh's confirmation, if there's a vote, because we'll be getting close to the October 1st, or the vote by the full Senate, so we'll kind of see how that goes there. But I guess moving on to that, to some rough natural disasters, and there's some natural disasters and then some man-made disasters, but moving right along, this is something that kind of shocked me when it came out. So this is an article from CBS News from... Uh, I think earlier today, maybe yesterday. Um, so Massachusetts residents are allowed to return to their homes after gas explosions. So residents in communities north of Boston that were rocked by natural gas explosions were given the green light Sunday to return to their homes. Governor Charlie Baker and other officials announced the move at the morning news conference that electricity restored to nearly all affected homes and businesses in Lawrence, North Andover, and Andover. Gas service remained shut off while officials continue to investigate what caused Thursday's explosion and fires and crews inspect the gas lines and connections to the homes. Dozens of homes were destroyed or damaged, a teenager was killed, and dozens of people were injured. Thousands of residents were forced to evacuate. Crews have shut off nearly 8,600 gas meters in an area and cleared homes of any gas. Officials said gas company technicians will turn all the meters back after safety inspecting of the entire system are complete. The process has been to take several weeks. They warned residents not to turn the meters back on themselves, not to turn on gas appliances until services restored, and to call 911 and leave their homes if they smell gas. It's evident to me that all of us at the Merrimack Valley and the residents of our state are being as supportive as they can be and as kind as they can be in one another during this most difficult time, the Republican governor said. We still have a very long way to go, but we're very happy that people can return to their homes this morning. Firefighters in Lawrence responded to a fire at an apartment complex Sunday morning after residents had returned, but officials said it wasn't related to the gas problem. National Transport Safety Board Chairman Robert Sumwalt said Saturday there was no evidence to suggest the explosions were intentional. Said investigators will be looking at how local Columbia gas officials responded to a pressure increase in the Lawrence area that was detected at the company's pipeline control center in Columbus, Ohio, prior to the explosions and fires. Government records reveal at least three other serious explosions in Massachusetts, West Virginia, and Ohio have been linked to Columbia Gas. The company, a subsidiary of NYSource, a utility company that serves more than 3 million customers in seven states. Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera became emotional at the news conference while thanking people for support and donating to the Lawrence Emergency Fund. People have been very generous, he said, and usually when we have issues like this, it's really hard to come up with cash because it's mostly shut out of people's hands. Oh, it's mostly stuff out of people's hands. So the fact that we were able to raise 100000 in two days is heartwarming. It makes us very thankful. 
So, yeah, it seems pretty crazy. Just a bunch just all in a grouping. Just houses just basically exploded from a natural gas explosion that just had to isolate in a few houses throughout cities in Massachusetts. So I hope everyone uh, else is safe and that life can kind of move forward after that. But I just wanted to share that with you because that was kind of big news that came towards the end of last week. Um, and before I get into what has kind of been going on... Um, with big weather also involves something else that we haven't seen in too much unless even though people who are big fans of shark week um that involves uh a shark attack at cape cod so uh, this is an article from cbs news it's friends described frantic attempt to save screaming shark attack victim popular stress of beaches in massachusetts sorry and more bad news for massachusetts will remain closed to swimming monday because of a deadly shark attack over the weekend Arthur Medici, 26, died Saturday after being bitten by a shark. The attack happened on a stretch of the Cape Cod National Seashore. It was first deadly shark attack in Massachusetts in more than 80 years, reports CBS News' Nikki Batiste. About noon on Saturday, Medici was riding the waves on a boogie board with the friends about 30 yards into the water off Newcomb Hollow Beach in Wellfleet. That's when one witness says he saw what looked like a 10 to 12 foot shark attack Medici. More than a dozen beachgoers scrambled to help carry Medici to safety after he was bitten on both legs. I sprinted back up the beach, said Joe Booth, who witnessed the attack, screaming like a lunatic, Call 911, there's been a shark attack. Medici was rushed to a nearby hospital where he was later pronounced dead. Isaac Rocha was uh, in the water near Medici when the attack happened. He said he and the victim were like brothers. He was screaming, and then I saw like a shark tail, uh, Rocha said. And I swam to him as fast as I could. In that moment, I dragged him back to the shore, and I got a boogie board foot strap, and I kind of tied it around his thigh to try and stop the bleeding. Saturday's shark attack is at least the second on Cape Cod this summer. In August, 61-year-old Bill uh, Lighton survived after being bitten by a shark. After two attacks, I think we can be concerned that it's a dangerous situation, Lighton said. The presence of sharks in these waters is not unusual, experts say. We see these sharks every day along this coastline, marine biologist, Massachusetts Recreational Fisheries Program Manager Greg Scomal said. They are there in big numbers and people have to be vigilant and be aware of it. Scomal believes like the shark likely mistook Medici for a seal, which are often close to shore along Capes Cod's beaches. And as a result, these sharks are coming as close as they possibly can without risking their own lives to try and kill and eat these seals. And that creates a bit of a problem because it's exactly what people are utilizing the shoreline. And so you know, this is something we're looking at. It's something we're trying to advise swimmers about so that it does not happen again. The National Park Service is warning people of Cape Cod not to swim near seals. The shark that bit Medici is believed to have been a white shark. While shark attacks are rare, one study says at least that last year there were 53 unprovoked shark attacks in the U.S. more than any other country in the world. Uh, so, uh, my heart goes out to the family of Arthur, uh, Medici at this time. That's definitely a horrific incident and, uh, hopefully there's no other incidents at this time of year. And before I get into what was probably the biggest weather-related news of this week, and that involves, um, the hurricane that hit, um, the Carolinas, it actually involves FEMA. And that's a report from the Julia Beach that Trump administration diverted 10 million from FEMA to ICE, or ICE. Um, the Trump administration reportedly diverted nearly $10 million from the budget for the Federal Emergency Management Administration to Immigration and Custom Enforcement right before hurricane season began this year. Senator Jeff Merkley, the Democrat of Oregon on Tuesday night, released documents purporting to show the Department of Homeland Security's official request to transfer the funds, which were needed for higher priority detention and removal requirements amid President Trump's ongoing immigration crackdown. The transfer means that just as hurricane season is starting, the administration is working hard to find funds for child detention camps, Merkley told MSNBC's Rachel Maddow. According to MSNBC, a DHS spokesperson confirmed that financial transfer, but said the money did not come from disaster response and recovery efforts. 
The news comes after Trump praised his administration handling of last year's hurricane season as an unsung success despite the loss of 2,975 lives in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. So, yeah, it's crazy that right at the time that we need it the most, like right as hurricanes hit the North Carolina coastline and South Carolina and all really in that southeastern coast, that, oh, let's just take $10 million that we could be used for that or for other resources involving FEMA and just take that over to ICE, which is doing things that a lot of people disagree with. So I, that's just baffling to me that someone could be so crass to do that. And moving on to the, uh, back to the Carolina. So as, uh, Hurricane Florence has kind of been downgraded since it was a hurricane over the end of last week and going into the weekend. It's now a tropical storm, but it's still um, causing a lot of flooding and it's uh, being called by some monumental disaster. Some areas have not seen the worst of the flooding yet, uh, North Carolina Governor uh, Roy Cooper warned. So rescue crews in North Carolina waded through heavy flooding Monday in search of stranded residents after the remnants of deadly Hurricane Florence sent water rushing over riverbanks, spurring the governor to warn that there is no immediate relief from this monumental disaster. Some areas have not seen the worst of the flooding yet, Governor Roy Cooper told reporters, adding that roads, particularly in the eastern part of the state, remain extremely dangerous. The port sitting of Wilmington, which had been cut off by the rising waters, began to see resources move in after one road was reopened by Monday afternoon when the removal of trees and downed power lines and the receding of some floodwaters. Cooper asked if he was not re- to return to Wilmington yet, as that the road could be washed out again. The sun began peeking through the clouds earlier in the day as Florence, formerly a Category 1 hurricane, now downgraded to a tropical depression. Sorry, I said tropical storm earlier. It is a tropical depression. Threatened up more rain across the regions that moved northeast. More than 1,200 emergency responders were performing search and rescue operations, officials said. Some 41 million people remain under a flash flood watch or warning, which alerts stretching from Charleston, South Carolina, up through New England, parts of which could see downpours from the remnants of Florence by Tuesday morning. The storm has been blamed for at least 24 deaths, with the majority of the victims in North Carolina. Authorities in Union County said Monday they recovered the body of a one-year-old boy who went missing after his car his mother was driving was consumed by floodwaters on a North Carolina highway. She survived but told police she had lost his grip. In addition, a person died at a shelter in New Hanover County, where Wilmington is located. Fish of their death may have been tried to national causes, natural causes, and super efforts were unsuccessful. With food and water supplies running low, local authorities in New Hanover County re- appealed for state emergency management officials for help. Water and military-style field rations known as MREs were due to be delivered around North Carolina today, or yesterday as I am saying this. On Monday morning, officials will first try to get go by land using routes selected by the State Highway Patrol. If flooding makes the roads impassable, authorities will use airlifts. When the supplies finally reach the county, they'll be distributed from three locations that will be announced Monday. Many residents in Wilmington, a city of about 117,000, were trapped at home, hemmed in by downed trees and power lines. Countless homes were damaged, and many homeowners who left were unable to go back to evaluate the damage to their property. The city's first responders scrambled to keep up with their requests for help, with the police responding to more than 800 calls on Saturday and Sunday. County offices were shut down until further notice, with the exception of the landfill and county staff who were reassigned to emergency response and recovery efforts. Do I have everybody's attention now? All right, let's move on, folks, because there's something else that happened in 1998, and I can talk a hell of a lot more about that than the other things. But in 1998, we got King of the Ring, where Undertaker and Mankind destroyed each other. All right, so I've watched this match as recently as yesterday, and if that's for you guys who are listening, it would have been on Monday, and for me, it was yesterday, 
but for you, that would be Tuesday. So it's not Tuesday that I watched it because I'm recording this. I'm not watching that. But anyways, Hell in a Cell is a a fucking crazy. That match was and will forever be one of the most disturbing, shocking things you can watch in a professional wrestling ring. And we're going to talk about something else that was disturbing here in a minute, too. It's all... It all ties in together, folks. So what happens is Undertaker and Mankind are going to have this Hell in a Cell match, first ever Hell in a Cell match. Mankind walks out first, throws the chair up to the top of the cell, and then climbs it. Now behind the scenes, here's some things that people don't know. Vince had asked Mick, hey, you went up to the top of the cell earlier this afternoon, right? Mick lied and said, oh yeah, I was up there. I checked it out. It was high. It was cool. He goes, okay, and you were comfortable being up there, right? And Mick lies again, and as he quotes saying it's the biggest lie of his life, he says, yeah, I I was okay up there. It wasn't scary. And Mick says, knowing full well that if I actually now, having done the match, if I would have went up earlier in the day, I would not have wanted to do those spots or even have thought about any of the things that we were trying to do uh, leading up to that. I would not have been a part of that at all. So here's a crazy thing. Undertaker goes to this match because he's second out with a broken foot. Undertaker's quoted as saying, I happened to have cra- fractured my ankle. It was such an important time in the business. You know, you knew you had to do it. So you just grit your teeth and you go in there and you do what you do. Uh, Mankind said that compounded the troubles we were facing. We reminisced a couple of years later about what we were even doing in that situation. He willingly entered it with a broken foot, which speaks volumes to the kind of competitor he is. Undertaker shooting back saying, am I going to be able to get up onto that cell? The answer is yes, because I don't know how, but I was always going to get up there. It was definitely an exciting way to start the Hell in the Cell match. As I was speaking earlier, Mankind says, I don't remember the buildup to the day other than being approached by McMahon and him asking me if I had been on top of the structure earlier in the afternoon. I assured him that I had, which was the biggest lie I had told at that point in my life. And then he asked if I was comfortable up there. I assured him, which I, I assured him I was, which became the new biggest lie I'd ever told in my life because I'd ever gone to the top of that structure in the afternoon. I wouldn't have been scaling it in the evening because it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. I know there are people. Sorry, I ditched my nose. I know there are people who are not afraid of heights in the WWE universe, but I am not one of them. Uh, Another thing to talk about is in the match, okay, so to back up what actually happens in the match, they start on top of the cell, Mick gets thrown from the top of the cell and goes through an announce table, and it seems like the match is over. Like, literally, they shut the match down immediately. No questions asked, you know. So the match gets shut down, and the cell starts to raise up, and Undertaker's on top of the cell, and I'm like, well, are they going to let Undertaker down, or is he kind of trapped up there? And obviously, as you know, he isn't trapped up there. Uh, they are trying to get Mick onto a stretcher, but at that time, the way they had done Hell in the Cell, they didn't really create a lot of space for them to bring the stretcher through. So they get the, the Hell in the Cell up, the stretcher comes through, they put Mick on the stretcher, they're wheeling him out, and he's fighting them off. No, he doesn't want to. The cell comes back down. Mick climbs to the fucking cell. Gets out of the... Gets off of the stretcher. Out of the fucking brace and everything. And starts climbing the cell again crazily. He and Undertaker barely trade blows. He doesn't really get a solid punch or anything in Undertaker. He's just kind of swinging it air, hoping to connect with something. And that is very important in the next part because 
Taker grabs Mick for a choke slam, and Mick, typically speaking, if he's going to do the choke slam, he's got to kind of jump a little bit to give Taker the leverage to choke slam him down, right? But Mick just kind of falls on his back, which saves his life because he falls through the cage and lands directly on the back of his shoulder blades, and he falls like 12 feet, right? Directly on his back and like close to his neck, so... All kinds of, whoa, what's happening? One of the most enduring images during the fight was when there was like what looked to be a booger hanging out of uh, Mick's face after he was struck by a chair that followed him from off the top of the ring. So when he, you know, so Taker says, I remember punching him, trying to talk some sense into him, but just being distracted by what I thought was a booger in his nose. Come, Come to find out it was one of his incisors that went through his lip and ended up in his nose. Mick says, I remember having the presence of mind to think if I could just stick my tongue through that uh, would wiggle a little bit. It would create a compelling image. On the behind-the-scenes stuff, actually, Sergeant Slaughter tries to step in, and we they get Mankind halfway back on the stretcher, and Slaughter is, is saying, you know, we get him halfway back, and he started saying, no, I want to go back, I want to go back. And I said, no, you're not going anywhere, you're going to the hospital. The next thing I know, he jumps up and starts climbing up. Everybody in the building, from Mankind's perspective, says... I thought everybody in the building thought the match was over. I don't know for sure if I could keep going, but I said I was going to give it my best. How fatigue saved Mick's career, and I was just talking about this earlier. So Mick was so tired that he couldn't jump on the cage, so he tries to sell Taker's choke slam. It didn't actually work. Mick says, and I quote, "If I'd have gone all the way up like I usually do for choke slams, that would afford me the safest landing uh, on a mat inside a ring. That I would have over rotated and landed high on his shoulder on my shoulders and likely never wrestled again." Taker says, I totally agree with that. We were, we're talking about a couple of inches. That could have been catastrophic. Really, it could have. Slaughter said, it just made the most incredible thud. It makes you sick to see it, and you could see something in his nose. What Vince told them after the fight. Slaughter says, we put him back on the table. Uh, let's talk about how the match ends, actually, because there's a couple more things that, that come to light, and, I, and, they're, and they're not even going to talk about them. I can't. This is a weak ass. Okay, anyways. So let's keep talking about all these things that actually happened in the match. The, the Mick chokeslam thing, and then Taker comes down, and then there's some chair shots, and then Mick gets the tacks, and Mick puts the tacks all over the mat, and then he's kind of got Taker in a sleeper, but then Taker lifts up and drops on his back, so Mick goes into the tacks on his back with the weight of Taker on top of him, crushing him into the tacks, and it's like, oh my god, that's awful, and... uh. Slaughter says, we put him back on the table after the match. He wanted to let me know his shoulder was hurt, but he smiled at me and he could see a gash under his lip. They started stitching him up right there. Just an incredible sight to see. Mr. McMahon sat me down and said, you have no idea how much I appreciate what you've done for this company, but I never want to see anything like that again. Now, here's some more things that happened in the match that aren't actually brought up into this. So after the thumbtacks happen and, and Taker drops on his back, he gets Mick up for a tombstone and tombstones him into the tax. So there's tax in Mick's head as well a little bit. And then they start to, after the match is over, they start to bring a stretcher out. They try to put Mick, they try to put Mick on the stretcher. And Mick asks Jack Doan, I believe, or Chad Patton. He goes, have I already been on the stretcher tonight? And Chad says, yeah, earlier. And he said, well, then walk me out of here because I'm not, I can't have been on two stretchers in one night. I just can't do that. Sorry, it'll ruin my career. So he literally got walked out. He could barely even stand, and they walked him to the back where, like, 
uh, Slaughter said he got stitched up. You know, that King of the Ring 98 was crazy, too, because I think it also had uh, the first ever first blood match, maybe? It might not have been the first ever first blood match. But uh, let's see if it was the first blood matches. We're going to look at the history of... It doesn't say in the WWE the first one. Damn it, I hate the internet. Ugh. Anyways, yeah. So the Kane versus Austin first blood match for the WWF Championship. Kane defeats Austin, but the very next night loses the title back. Uh, and the match right before that was Taker versus Mick. So think about that. The like craziness that you witness Undertaker versus Mankind in the Hell in a Cell and all the shit that was endured in that 16 minutes. It's a 16-minute match, super short. It feels like it goes on for hours because of how just vicious and fucking crazy the match is and how brutal it is towards Mick. I mean, really, Taker took very little damage that entire match, and it was mostly Mick taking crazy bump after crazy bump after crazy spot. It was fucking insane. Uh, something that you cannot ever forget. However, let's talk about the future. Let's move forward to the now. Because just this past weekend was Hell in the Cell 2018, and we got to talk about it. We're going to talk about the matches that happened on the card, briefly discuss them, briefly discuss some of the things that I thought about the event, and we'll move forward. So, first of all, the prelim show was the New Day, or the, pre- the prelim match was the New Day, defeating Rusev Day. Uh, for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. As I mentioned earlier, Kofi and Big E defending the titles. Uh, match went about almost nine minutes. It was really good. It was really well done. It made both teams look good for different reasons. And I like Rusev Day. I think that's a great teaming. I love the New Day, obviously, for every reason that I could state in the world because they're great, funny, fantastic, hilarious, comical, geniusly created characters for professional wrestling. And they're just ridiculous enough to work. The first official match for the... Oh, by the way, also, Hell in a Cell this year, red. Red. It was it was blood red. It was awesome. But the first match of the night is a Hell in a Cell match. Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy. Welcome the train of our existence. 24 minutes and 50 seconds of this match in the Hell in a Cell, and they did not walk out the same. There were some brutal spots across the board. Uh, the finish of the match was fucking violent. Jeff was hanging from the top of the Hell in a Cell and swinging, like he, because uh, Randy Orton was on a table below and he was gonna like swing and let go and then land on Orton on the table through the table and it was gonna be dope and he's probably gonna win the match. Orton moves and he goes through the table chest fucking first. I'm pretty sure he took the fucking bar of the table to his chest, which definitely hurt. There was a spot in the match where Orton got whipped with Jeff's belt. And the belt had studs and literally spiked all across all of Orton's back. So he had these little pinholes that were just bleeding all over his back in the, in the design of that belt. Uh, the other major spot of the night was this chair shot that Hardy lands really awkwardly on, on Randy Orton. And then there's this like fucking alien looking thing coming out of his fucking leg. And it was gross and his leg was like bleeding profusely and he knew something was wrong. He could barely put weight on it. And that was kind of how the match finished, how it did. So I thought the match was great. It was violent. It was what you want to see in a match. It wasn't what I was expecting, I guess. Like, Jeff Hardy has taken some pretty crazy bumps. He said he was going to do something pretty crazy. But falling from the top of the Hell in Cell face first isn't what I would constitute as one of the most crazy things he's ever done in a WWE or any ring, for that matter. Uh, the second match on the card was Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair going in as the SmackDown Women's Champion. 
this feud boiling over from SummerSlam. We've got a 13 minute and 50 second barn burner that goes back and forth. You're not sure what's going to happen. And then ultimately, Becky Lynch defeats Charlotte for the SmackDown title, regains the title, and then denies the handshake at Charlotte, keeping the feud fully alive for the future. Up next, we've got the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, facing off against Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Again, a good back-and-forth match. It goes about 25 minutes. Uh, great hot tags and energy and excitement and crazy spots galore and just um, some of the best workers. Dean Ambrose's new style is so brutal. I love it. I absolutely love it. 24 minutes, 52 seconds. The longest match of the night was this tag team match. Up next was another... In the legacy of wrestling, there are like certain matchups that you will never leave off the table. You will always talk about them as a wrestling fan. You're going to talk about your your Hogan Macho Man, Hogan Warrior, Macho Man Warrior technically, I guess you could say. Uh, I mean, you talk about Austin Rock. You talk about like uh, Lesnar and Angle or Orton and Cena or Batista and Triple H, some of these feuds that just transcend one match. And this next match um, is a part of transcending that because these two have had classic matches on every platform they've ever performed on, and that's AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. This match was brilliantly done, well-played, timed beautifully, action-packed, across-the-board emotionally driven, uh, well, 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 I guess played out. I don't, played out's not the right word, but they left me on the edge of my seat for the majority of that match. And then the finish with AJ in the coquina clutch, rolling through into a pen that ends up claiming him to still be the champion. Awesome. AJ's still champ. It doesn't really make Samoa look weak because Joe was beating him. He had his back. It was over. Technically speaking, AJ could have tapped. No questions asked. He didn't. We're going to fuck gonna, the sodomites in the... There's two types, well, there's three types of people. There's the people that scramble the egg before they cook it, before they put it in the pan, okay? I do that a lot because it's convenient. Yes. Um, there's people that put milk in their scrambled egg concoction. A little bit. Well, it just depends. There's yep, people There's bit. people who put water instead of milk. There's a combination of those people that put water and milk. So you can't put too much liquid into the egg because it, it makes them super moist right. and disgusting. And fucking, I can't eat slimy eggs, man. I can't uh, do it. Me either. But if you ask a lot of professionally trained chefs, they will tell you that the best way to make scrambled eggs is don't add milk, don't add water, don't add any of that shit. Scramble the egg in the pan with whatever your lubricant is and just season it. That is how to make the, the most perfect scrambled eggs. And recently I've started to do that, and my eggs have actually gotten better. Awesome. I will have to try that out. It's been a while since I made you eggs. Have to, so, you know, the, the milk thing is also a filler. I mean, it makes it so you don't have, have to have so many eggs. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, it always crack, did make them poofier. Right. Crack that's a, what I want. Crack another egg or two in there, and then you get the same effect. 
Try it. You, I, might, you might like it. I will. It. I will. You just can't have the heat super high. Yeah, and that's otherwise you get fucking egg egg skin, and I I can't do egg yeah, skin. Yeah, I hate that. See, the the trick is just keep moving around. But mm-hmm. uh, see, I always I always my thought my theory was that if I had it super high or high ish, uh, it would materialize faster and therefore create the chunks that I want, not the little tiny little bits. Mm-hmm. So that's all the little tiny bits is just all how much you move it around. All right. Because every every time we're learning things today, we're, we're getting folks. into some egg science here. Every time you touch your concoction that you have in the pan, you are not allowing that egg protein to bind together. So every time you fucking stir it, you're breaking those bonds. This really did get science. I was I wasn't gonna get into it this much. I was <laughs> that's just, fine. That's I was fine, just gonna though. say the I've been scrambling them in the pan, and I like that better. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's food, so I mean, I'll always talk about food. But like me, so you're a scrambled egg guy. That's your oh, favorite. Fuck, yeah. That's your favorite type of eggs. Yeah. See, that is my least favorite type of eggs. I will eat a poached egg. I will eat a boiled egg. But fucking sunny, sunny side up egg is my favorite egg. I want that fucking yolk running down my face. Bet you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but uh, it's hard to get the perfect sunny side egg at home. Because you have to have the fucking temperature set just right. Otherwise, you'll fucking burn the bottom of the egg and the top of the egg won't be cooked at all. Yeah. It's got to be right. And it takes longer to cook, so it's inconvenient. Yeah. Fuck that. But man, some fucking eggs benedict with a little bit of hollandaise. See, I'm just not, I'm not a fan of eggs any other way because I don't know. I just. So you don't like like an egg sandwich? I get I could eat an egg sandwich because I got bread to cover up okay. the, the that, blandness of the, the egg. Well. The egg white is very bland. Oh, yeah, but that's why, I mean, that's what the yolk is for. The yolk's where your flavor's coming from. Yeah. And then you season it. But um, the key to a perfect egg sandwich, much like the key to a perfect grilled cheese. Mayonnaise? No, 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 no. <laughs> it, that, that, again, is a personal <laughs> preference thing. If I want speed, I'll, I'll, make, I'll use mayonnaise for the egg sandwich or the grilled cheese, just because it's, it's faster. Yeah, you know you don't okay. have you don't have to soften butter. You just bam. Um, it does make the bread kind of tangy, and depending on the kind of bread you use, it can make it pretty gross. If you use really sweet bread, like um, like honey wheat or like a Hawaiian type bread, I use potato bread. And you use mayonnaise, it'll fu- it'll it'll that sweet and that fucking tangy flavor will make it nasty. I use potato bread. Uh, I'm a I'm a whole wheat or rye kind of guy. Gross. You don't like rye bread? No, I don't really. If it's not white or potato, which is white, right? Like, I'm not into it. That's fair. I'm just not into it. Like I, I but you it's, like it's a texture. You thing. like like sourdough and shit. I would imagine. I do. I don't mind sourdough. Uh, it's it's mostly just a texture thing. Yeah, I get it. Like I can't do wheat or whole grain. But all the point that I was trying to make is all butter should be salted. Like, people should eat salted butter. People should eat real butter, not fucking country crock. Not fucking vegetable oil spread. That shit's fucking gross. And we all grew up with it. We all had it in our fucking house. Yeah, for sure. Um, But fucking treat yourself and get some good butter. <laughs> Kerrygold fucking is fantastic butter. You know, it's from the fucking grass-fed crow- cows in Ireland. Hell yeah. They make good stuff. Hell yeah. I- Man, this this fucking show is getting really weird. It's <laughs> I'm, not I'm glad weird. we can sit and talk about breakfast. It's not weird in the way that it normally is, which is more offsetting or off-putting. 
I know we've, we've normally we're talking about dicks and balls and shit. I mean, last week we I don't know how many times we went back to glory holes. I don't know. And the last the week before or two weeks before that or the week before that, it was fucking uh, pegging. It was pegging. And uh, we've 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 discussed all so- all manner of butt stuff. God. And but, and here we are. Here we are. <laughs> talking about cows now. We're talking about cows and breakfast food. Yeah. Um, but but uh, Land Lakes has a fantastic fucking salted butter. Yeah. Have you ever had salted butter? I don't think so. Try it. If I have, I, I didn't know. It's a it's fucking, just, it's a butter fucking game butter changer. No. Butter, butter is, is butter to me unless it's margarine. And if it's margarine, fuck margarine. I like margarine for shit like grilled cheese, or not grilled cheese, but like uh, macaroni and cheese. Okay. Again, it's a convenience thing. And you're not, I mean, I, I'm one of those weird people that doesn't like macaroni and cheese that's not craft out of the box. Yeah, I'm, I'm I will. I will shit all over fucking gourmet mac and cheese. Really? Yeah, you can, you can take your shells and cheese. You can take your fucking Cracker Barrel brand uh, that you bought and spent $9 on a box of but fucking what, macaroni and cheese. what if it's like a homemade, like... Nope, we'll not eat it. We'll not eat it. I, I don't... I'm typically the same, but I've had some real... Like, if you just fucking melt some... Melt, like, a, a layer of cheddar over it. Oh, my Here's the God. thing, though. It's a texture thing for me. Okay. People never cook the noodle the right way. It's either overcooked or undercooked. It's either chewing on a rubber band or fucking eating raw pasta, which I'm not a fan of. Yeah. And then no one ever uses the right blend of cheeses. Yeah. You're you're absolutely if right. If you use an extremely sharp cheddar, you have to have a lighter cheese blended in with it to offset that fucking strong taste of the yeah. extra sharp. That's why it's extra sharp. <laughs> I so, can never remember which cheddar I like more. Mild or sharp. <laughs> I can uh, never remember. <laughs> so... I mean, we're, we're going to keep talking about food because this this is a good conversation. It is. Uh, my favorite cheese, if I just want, like, like if you walked in here and said, hey, I have a fucking case of cheese in the next room, we'll pick your poison, Colby, all day. Yeah. Colby is my favorite cheese. It is the perfect blend of everything mild and sharp cheddar is together. It's right in the, right in the middle. Um but man, I fuck with some good extra sharp cheddar, some Havarti. I'm going to take you back to the Monocles days. Oh, God. It's back when I worked at Monocles. <laughs> that was genuine. I just decided to act it out. Okay. <laughs> um, we we had a cheese. We, our dough maker. You had, had a cheese wheel? No. Damn. I wish. Our, our dough uh, mixer had uh, uh, an attachment, a cheese shredding attachment. Nice. And we would get these giant fucking like three by two fucking blocks of cheddar cheese and we've just we'd cut it up into like little smaller cubes mm-hmm. feed it in feed it in and then like that, what are you using the cheddar for uh salads oh, uh, specialty right, pizzas right, 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 right. like ve- like veggie or uh buffalo or bar- buffalo or barbecue chicken pizzas gotcha uh yeah but mostly just salads uh but yeah i would I would just eat it just all the entire time I was shredding that cheese. Well, you've seen that meme where it's like it's the like the fat little French bulldog like peeking around the corner and it says me when I'm going to the kitchen at two o'clock in the morning to eat uh, a bag of shredded cheese. Yeah, I've done it. We've all been there. I've done it. We've every, all been anytime there. I make anytime I make any of my dishes, which are 90 percent pasta dishes, uh, I always use mozzarella cheese. And I'm always sitting there 
Oh, here's a handful for the pasta. Here's mm-hmm. a handful for my mouth. Mm-hmm. For my mouth. <laughs> for my mouth. With an F. Mouth. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm... Shredded cheese. You know part of the reason shredded cheese is so fucking delicious? It's the texture. It is. It's it, the texture. The, texture. the finely... The finely shredded, oh. It fucking, it changes the whole flavor profile does. of the cheese. It does. Because, and, like. And freshly cut cheese oh, is yeah. the fucking best. Like, that's why the, I would go. I, w- I would literally just, anytime I'd go back to the walk-in. fucking in, lurk around the corner when someone's yeah. fucking shredding cheese. And then as I, soon as I they walk, walk away, just. I'd go to back to the walk-in cooler and just fucking, anytime. I'd, oh, getting a stack of doughs. Better get a handful of cheese in my mouth. <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> it's, um. So I buy the Land O'Lakes, like little fucking cheddar squares. Yeah. To have as like a snack and shit at work. It's like Land O'Lakes cheese is not bad, but it's not as good as like cheese that you cut straight off the block or that you shred yourself. Yeah. Like more times than not, <clears throat> if I'm cooking a, a dish that needs shredded cheese, unless it's like tacos, I'll fucking just buy a block of cheddar or whatever cheese. Number one, it's cheaper to just buy the block than it is to buy pre-shredded cheese. But you fucking shred that shit yourself. You can get it exactly the consistency that you want. Fucking take your game up to 11, shredding your own fucking cheese. (laughs) Shit. Uh, So, back to my story. I'm sorry I hijacked your story. It's all good. No, it was an awesome fucking... No, I'm not even going to that. That's story. I'm going back to my Sunday morning. Oh, we're going all the way back. So finish breakfast where we're going. We don't need roads. <laughs> what did I do after breakfast? Oh, well, knowing man. you, you probably stuck something in your ass. No, not that day. Oh, OK. What that I, was Saturday. I can't remember what I did, what we did after uh, breakfast. I felt like we. I don't know. Because I know we went. <laughs> well, it's been lost to fuck time. It, whatever happened next, I know at 1 o'clock or so, we went down to Carnahan Hall for uh, the wedding expo. Oh, how was we, that? We got to check out a bunch of vendors. Um, J- Jess Wadley and Suzette McNew, they have a new business where they have a photo booth for weddings. They do photo booths. Mm-hmm. Now. So we they, they had a booth for their photo booth down there. Booths and booths and booths. Booth, photo, it's booth squared. I heard you like booths, so I put a booth in your oh, booth. Oh, we didn't do anything. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Turns out we, I didn't forget. It. We just didn't do anything. Uh, but yeah, we, we checked out all the different vendors. Um, by the way, we're getting our tuxes at Louis. 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 The fuck is Louis? So we're actually wearing tuxedos? Yes, we are. Okay. Tuxedos or suits. That, that threw my whole game off. Not, not, okay, so not for the what's coming up, but for next year. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're... The, yeah, next year's the big shindig. Right. Uh, but, yeah, so we we're, we decided on Louis, uh, WSL Mobile DJ. Uh, probably going to have Taze River cater. Hopefully. Mm. Or Arnie's. Hopefully they get better because I won't eat if they do, if they don't. Well, I mean, I'm sure their service is different from their food. <laughs> well, no, their food was even bad the last time I was Really? There. Oh, the man. one time I've went, the service was terrible and the food was terrible. Oh so. man, and the beer was okay. They had they had these. Uh, yeah, the beer's okay. I'm not a big fan of the beer. I had one that was really good, and I can't remember what it's called now. But our our total experience was bad enough that yeah. I said I would never go back. So anyway, but, yeah. So we went to that, and then afterwards we went and ate uh, ate lunch with my mom. Uh, the, the previous night before we went to the Purdue game, 
Uh, that, that was that was uh, Maverick and Desire's first uh, Purdue game or football game in general, I think. So we were up in the stands, you know, watching, you know, that she got those the, fucking uncomfortable bleacher seats. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think it was Miranda's first. It, it was her, definitely her first uh, Purdue football game. Uh, I don't. I think she's gone to a Colts game. I'm not sure. She says things to me, and sometimes I listen. We always sit in the south end zone. Yeah, that's, and there's a bar right behind it. Oh, that one. Okay, so yeah, we were on the opposite end because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a U. We're at the we're at the base of the U. I know where you're at. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a fun time. We were out a little late, but you know, we we left a little after halftime. It was a late game. Uh, but yeah, so we ate lunch with my mom, and then then we watched Hereditary. No, that was Saturday night. Fuck, man. Oh, my my weekend's so jumbled up. Well, yeah. Saturday night would have been when the Purdue game was. Yep. So you're at least partly correct. On, yep. on you're, you're you're melding your stories together. It's it's all. I'm so tired. <laughs> it all becomes a wash. She's been to several Colts games. <laughs> Never mind. Already. I can't remember where I was going with all this story. Well, is this when we want to talk about Hereditary? No, we'll talk about that later. All right. But I do want to get into so a couple weeks ago, I went to I went up to the region to Chicago, which did, isn't the region; it's actually Chicago. Did you stop by a Dollar General Red Box? I did not. That's that's over, way way to the right of Chicago, on the other side of the state. Okay, the, the, I'm the, sure the, they have Red Boxes and Dollar Generals in Chicago. The the eastern part of the region. So, uh, I guess we'll start the episode off with uh, the news. Uh, I'm sure everybody's going to be very heartbroken. I know. Well, if they're not, then screw them. They don't. They don't care about this show. They don't care about all nine episodes of this show. But uh, after tonight's episode, which or today's or whenever you're listening to this, after episode nine, uh, you will no longer be my full-time co-host uh is that correct yeah are you sad i am you're quitting on me we had a good thing going for eight out of nine episodes <laughs> did we yeah it was, it's been fun so far already How but it? yeah it's been fun for me why do you, why don't you quit being a jerk <laughs> see this is this is fun for people to listen to because they that's that seems to be the feedback i get is they enjoy when you just like are a dick to me, which I mean, twenty four seven. It's what you do. So I mean, that's why. Who else is gonna sit in that seat and make fun of me for an hour? Your mom. I I can't get her to come for one episode just to guest. She was supposed to be here yesterday to record with us, and she bailed. I hope she's listening to this right now too, so I can, she can hear how fake mad I at, am at her. Blah, 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 blah. No, but my mom really is going to come and do an episode. She wants to. It's just, you know, people got shit going on. It's 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 what happens when we're adults. Especially when you got kids. Fucking kids. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I guess to to get down to the root of it, 
one of the biggest things is it's it's hard for us to find time to sit down here and record together because you know the only time we have to do it undisturbed is like post bedtime you know because the kids won't leave us alone for an hour to do this and scarlet's here all the time my kids are over you know for their schedule and uh we we do get i know we've talked about this in like one of our first couple episodes we talked about you know how we do get time every couple weekends together uh without the kids because you know my kids will be at their mom's house scarlet will be at her dad's house but you know lately that just hasn't been working out we actually did get our weekend this last weekend but we got one night and we wanted to go on a date instead of of recording a podcast so i mean sorry podcast listeners but we we uh we chose to go on a date instead and it was nice actually this is the first time we've been able to go out in a while because mm-hmm. uh driving yeah, we went to the drive-in. We saw a couple of scary movies, and and I ended up being on call at work, so mm-hmm. we we had to. <laughs> That's a touchy subject, but hey, you know, I didn't get called out though, did I? Yeah, but you could have right in the middle of the movie. Yeah, but I didn't, did I? Our one weekend we were spending together, and you he picks up on call. They, you know, we're <laughs> we don't need to get in this fight. Mm-hmm. Not on the podcast. So Why not? Because nobody, they they came here to listen to, to us talk about our kids, not our our marital squabbles. 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 Yeah, that's the word I chose. Okay. As long as you're confident in that. Yeah, yeah. I picked up an on call weekend, and it worked out fine. So what's there to argue about anymore? And then you still got Monday off because your job is easy. It's, hey, no, they were rewarding me for picking up somebody's on call. That I didn't have to. It was it was a desperate. Okay, so I get home from work on Friday. Since we're getting into this, apparently, I get home from work on Friday. I pull into the driveway, and my boss calls me, like literally as I pulled into the driveway, and says, "Hey, uh, our our we need somebody to take the on call for this weekend." And I, I there's there was an on call schedule. There was supposed to be somebody already on call, but you know, for. For reasons that I I can't disclose, he couldn't perform his on-call duties that weekend. So they desperately needed somebody to take his weekend. So I, I apparently there's there's uh, I think I think our crew is down to like eleven people that can take it, eleven or twelve that can take it. So he was going down the list and seeing who could take it. Some people just weren't answering his call. Some people had stuff to do. Some people were out of town. So he got down to my name and I said I said, "Well, I'll talk to my wife about it. Do you have anybody else to call if I can't do it?" And he said, "I got a couple more, but I'm getting pretty desperate." So in the middle of me and Ashley arguing about it because it turned to an argument instantly, well, we're supposed to go out and you're going to take on call. So that's not what I sound like when we fight. That's exactly. Exactly what she sounds like. Um in the middle of us fighting, then he texts me and says, okay, now I'm desperate. So, you know, what am I supposed to do? Put your wife above work. You know, work is what helps pay for this house and for our food and 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 for our children to be happy and 
Do we want to get into this right now? No. No. No, we don't. Yeah, I didn't think so. Anyway, the point is, (laughs) my boss needed somebody, and I knew it was going to be fine, and it was. I didn't get a call all weekend. Yeah, other times you've said, you know, that's a fluke that I don't get called out. Yeah, for a whole week. It's rare to get a whole week without getting called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like act like you're, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Yeah, no, you don't. I'm done with this. Anyway, so I took the on-call weekend, and they gave me an extra vacation day mm-hmm. for it as for a reward. sit on your butt. So I, I took, oh yeah, sit on my butt on the fucking lawnmower when yeah. I, when I mowed the lawn four times the other yep. day. Yeah. It's not, yeah. In the 95 degree heat, sweating my ass off mm-hmm. all day long. Baby. <sighs> it was more work than being at work. Oh yeah. So there you go, people. He said it. What? You don't yeah, do sitting, much at work. Okay. Sitting on the tractor. Yeah. You're sitting on your butt, but it's not like it's fun well i don't know some some idiots like it you do the same thing that you would have been doing if you were in the house and that's no either watching no. or listening if i'm sitting in the house if i'm sitting in the house i'm sitting in the comfortable air conditioning watching a television show that i enjoy which you did like for the rest of the day i did not mm. i did not <laughs> it's that's bullshit i did not hit her i did not <laughs> can we watch that movie again i insist I insist that we do. Every other time I've asked, you say no. But anyway, where where the hell were we even going with this? I don't know. Oh, so yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Back to the topic. <laughs> Ashley's quitting the show. Yep. Um, mostly because she's just a bummer and she doesn't like doing fun things. This will be like an extra hour every week I get away from him. Ooh. Yeah. An extra hour every two weeks, actually. So. You know what I mean? Feels like every week. But. Because uh, you're really bugging me about it. Well, yeah, because we never. I, yeah, we, we have to try to find time to record. And it is very, very difficult trying to get both of us down here uninterrupted without the kids. Uh, which is kind of. Is that considered irony or is that coincidence that like we're trying to create a show about how awful our kids are and we can't even do that because of how awful our kids are? Is that irony? I almost think that would... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the definition of irony. But, you know, we both work. I'm in school. You have your band. All three kids are in sports. Yeah. So our free time... It's, there isn't. It's non-existent. The rare free time we get. I mean, they just finally a couple weeks ago cut Mark's football practices down to uh, three days a week, um, and actually it's worked out nice so far because it's on the same days that the girls have soccer. So three days a week, and we get done with all the sports. Um, mm. But then, then three days a week. Well, yeah, Mark has football games on Sundays. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Well, anyway, so four days a week, and we're done with sports. But we 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 get our Mondays, our Wednesdays, and our Fridays off. Um, but then you know, shit comes up on those days off, and that's why we don't end up recording on those days off. Like we, I wanted to record, wanted to record yesterday because we didn't have anything going on after we both got off work. But you know what? We just needed to, you know. 
unwind. What did we even do? Oh, we, we did didn't. stuff around the house. Yeah, yeah. It just got some stuff done around the house so we wouldn't have to scramble to do it this weekend. So, uh, and then we, I don't know. I we kind of went to bed early. No, we didn't. I finally organized what the my hell pictures. Did we do? I oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pictures, so I could finally get our out photo album together. One of our like thousand photo albums. I like photo albums, and you'll appreciate it later on. Yeah, I know. I, I like your photo albums; they're nice. You do a nice job on them. Not really, but you know, there's photos, so that's cool. So yeah, so that's the big news. I feel Ashley, like the dog's gonna go poop somewhere. Well, fucking. Sorry, you brought her down here. No, I didn't. Scarlet did. Oh yeah, Scarlet's a jerk. Scarlet's probably still not asleep. Probably not. She's probably not even sitting in bed right now. Whatever. Yeah, as long as she leaves us alone, whatever. Stop! Oh, she's trying to get in the bathroom to eat the cat's food. Our cat's getting fat. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Is that part of the Kids for Sale podcast? Is yeah, I guess. Our oh, fat yeah. cat. She, she got so oh, fat. You, f- her- you feed her like... Wet food every day and dry food. That's your fault. You feed her now, so I feel like it but you being set my the precedent. Fault. You it set the precedent. Being my fault once you started feeding her every morning. You set the precedent for giving her wet food every day. So it's still so, my fault, even though you are the one that feeds her. Yeah, because otherwise, if I don't do it, then she runs around the house. No, she doesn't. I've never heard her do that. Well, now I've actually started cutting back on her wet food because she's getting she's got fat ass. And she's not going to fit through the cat doors that I cut in. Yeah, take the. I'm not my stepmom. <laughs> my stepmom. She's she'll never listen to this, so I can I can talk crap. I don't mean. No, I'm not gonna talk crap about my stepmom. She, I like my stepmom. She has a cat stroller. So. She has. She bought a stroller for the cat. That's kind of dumb. I'm sorry, Annie. If you're listening to this, no, we're not sorry. We make <laughs> we make fun of her for the cat stroller to her face all the time. She knows how ridiculous it is, but the the fact remains: whether she knows it's ridiculous or not, she still has it. But uh, actually, you know what? Now I I'm legitimately starting to feel bad oh, because yeah. they they just had to put their cat. Oh, actually, they didn't they didn't put their cat down. the the they, cat The cat passed away the, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. She was she he wasn't doing good. So, um, so yeah. Let's move on from that depressing Maybe ass. She'll give us the cat mean topic. No, I don't. <sighs> okay, so a couple of weeks has gone by. What have we done over the last couple of weeks? Uh, Mark's I, football team is undefeated. Yeah, Mark's football team is whooping ass too. Like not even just undefeated. They they are undefeated. They are. Uh, I think regular season they're four and zero. Uh, did they lose their preseason game? No, they haven't. They haven't lost anything. And in fact, if you add up all their preseason games and regular season games, their total scores so far, I think the coach just posted it the other day. They are outscoring their opponents like a hundred forty, hundred forty-two to thirteen, a hundred forty-two to thirteen. That means they have outscored their opponents by more than ten times. More than 10 times. More than 10 times. That's impressive. These kids are whooping ass. And it's not against, like, scrub teams either. I, I, well, okay, they're seven, eight, nine-year-olds. So, I mean, they're all scrub teams. But, 
but like it just goes to show like how good of a football program we got him in for his first year, which I'm I'm really yeah, happy about. Lowell. I mean, what do you? I know. Well, I, well, we could have signed him up. Uh, there's that Crown Point League that it's like self-contained, which I actually didn't even know about this. I just looked this up the other day. If anybody's looking to get their kids into football, uh, there's a division in Crown Point. Uh, it's the Crown Point, I think, Junior Bulldogs or something, I think it's called. Um, it is all self-contained. They play indoors uh, on their turf. They have two turf fields indoors. And they have all the games there, and uh, they just they have so many kids sign up in this Crown Point League that they have like I don't even know how many teams they get together, but they don't have to travel ever. All the games are in Crown Point every week, and I don't know my my friend's son. I, the only reason I looked this up is because my friend's son, my friend posted a picture of his son in his football uniform the other day. And it looked to be about the same age as Mark, so I was like, "Oh, hey, he's, you know, what what division is he in?" I I was thinking maybe he was in Tiny Mites, which is the one right below Mark. Uh, but he's like, "Oh no, this is Crown Point. They won't play the Pop Warner kids." So I didn't know this existed, but now we're like we're stuck be, traveling like idiots. I feel like I feel like that'd be a betrayal, though, considering Crown Point's like our rival rival yeah i know i'm not saying i want to sign him up for that but that would have been nice to know that existed so i wouldn't have and, to do travel i mean yeah but then you'd you'd we'd have to travel farther for practices it's time for brews with dudes ah juicy well, we're going to dive into the Highway Strawberry, which is a double India pale ale with strawberries, mint, and lime. It is 9%. This sounds real weird. I'm excited about it. So, um, Brett, tell us a funny joke while I pour. Ooh, okay. Um, one of the most recent ones I haven't seen. So, this, uh, this kid is in the middle of a court disagreement about custody. And uh, mom and dad beat him. So they want to keep the kid with the family. So they say, why don't you go with your aunt? Kid says, no, nah, my aunt beats me too. Every time I stay with my aunt, she hits me harder than mommy does. So they offer the grandparents. And the grand- He's like, nah, my grandma and grandpa aren't good people. They they mistreat me too. So after after much consideration, the courts give the kid the option to choose his own guardian and so the kid formally writes it down and says I choose the Cleveland Browns because there's no chance they're going to beat anyone classic <laughs> classic ah. that's good alright so let's they just d- Cleveland did just have a perfect season last year no wins zero wins 16 losses fools cheers to them alright here we go highway strawberry from central state and bare hands brewing Oh, that smell. Holy shit. There's a lot going on there. Oh my god. That's minty as fuck. Yeah. Holy moly. That's a beer hito. It's like a, mo- a mojito beer mojito beer. Goodness gracious. The best mojito I ever had was in Las Vegas. I believe it. Yeah. Um Oh my goodness. 
it was it was one of those swim up bars. Ooh. And I was like, I've never had a mojito before. I don't know what's in it, but give me one. Right, I'll take one. And I see him dropping mint in there and muddling, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. What am I getting into? And it was. It was. How do you like that with beer, though? I swore this was going to be strawberry, but I'm not getting... I'll need another drink, but I'm getting mint. Mint, Just mint, mint. Overpower. From the first sniff to the first taste Ooh. back end was mint let's see if it grows on us one more one more okay here we go that's minty as fuck I'm still not getting any strawberry a little bit of lime but definitely mostly mint with the mojito you do squeeze the lime into it Garnish with the lime. My goodness. I got I got a strawberry smell a little bit there. Ooh, this was this was strong. It's weird. Yeah, I don't and, know. Man, and man, we were just talking about how this how this milkshake is from bare hands. And this is the second one where it's just like I'm flabbergasted. Yeah, we still got a bit of the uh, um, the Thai milkshake double Thai IPA. And as we learned when we read it, it was mango raspberry were the two fruits. I just drank some more of it, and just God damn it, it's so I, good. I saw you, and I'm jealous. I have my own. I could drink it. I don't want to yet. I I want this. Mm. I want right. I want all this right. in my right. mouth. I'll put that away for a minute and try to focus on this highway strawberry. I guess I should mention that on the can there's a strawberry that's robbing something. So highway strawberry highway robbery. robbery. Yeah. Raw they could have called it rawberry. They could have rawberry. But I mean that kind of makes me lead to the gutter a little bit. I know. With that raw berry. Mm. Take it easy, berry. We could always use more berries in the world, though. Berries can go raw whenever they want. <laughs> because berries go raw is be one of the biggest reasons we have alcohol. So There's no such thing as vegetable protection. <laughs> Although when I when I was young, I used to detassel corn, but I did what I, it wasn't quite detasseling. I seriously put what looked like condoms on the the corn stalks. Queer is weird. I'm sorry. I was a vegisexual or something. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. That was bad. Sorry. I um thought about doing detasseling, but that would have really sucked for me. But as a 14-year-old having that kind of money, because you got paid over minimum wage, so it was tight. The, the money is what really wanted me to get into it, but my own personal body couldn't handle it. So... We talked about earlier on, on the first segment, um, that I was I did some yard work. I had a long day for my day off. Mm-hmm. All I did was pull weeds out of a flower bed for one of. It's actually one of my customers at work. She happens to live a block away from me, hmm. and so I do yard work for her. What a sweet guy. The compensation I get is she has sixty to eighty records stashed away 
of her husband's, her late husband, and her son. And her son has already said he doesn't need them or want them. Mm-hmm. So she's been doing like garage sales. She told me she will pay me in records to do miscellaneous work for her. So I clean her I clean her gutters. I I clean up certain flower beds. At the beginning of spring I do one day of hard work. At the beginning of fall I do one day of hard mm-hmm. work. And half the time she still gives me like 20, 30 bucks. That sounds like a really sweet deal. It's it's great. And she's a sweetheart. Yeah. One of the nicest ladies I've ever met. She's a regular customer at Grindstones. If she comes in before my shift, she says she wants to sit there and wait until I get there. Mm-hmm. Because she wants me to serve her. That's cool. You know, so she's a good lady. Her name's June Bug. That's about as sweet as it gets. It is. It is. Um, so I, I worked for her today and did some yard work for her and then went home and quintessentially did my own yard work a little bit. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just a little exhausted. I bet. That's what uh, Saturday is going to be for me. Yeah. It's going to be... I just did it last week, but I needed to do it again. I'm borrowing someone's weed whacker. It's like a fucking high-end weed whacker. It's a steel, so it's a fucking monster. Nice. I'm going to hit the yard one more time real good. And I think that'll be it. I think if I hit it really hard one more time, I won't have to weed again for the rest of the year. I'll still have to mow, but I won't have to weed again. I was... There are in a couple of her flower beds. She has some pesky roots popping up. I was taking like the equivalent of bolt cutters, but like gardening cutters, mm-hmm. and cutting shit off at the stump. Mm-hmm. And you know, then I have to cut it up in segments to bag it up and put it, you know, at the curb. And, oh wow! And, and we don't do that shit. We just run shit over with the mower. These are like tree roots uh, like thick roots and we have a fucking fire pit so yeah um so it was a little uh, you know it was my day off i could have relaxed but mm. i guess i get some sense of joy out of here's someone who can't help or can't do this work mm-hmm. she has flower beds that are just getting overgrown she used to go out and trim them once a week and she just can't do it anymore and the fact that something like that like because honestly, like, I, I like doing that kind of work. I like making things look good. But I forgot for months. And the landlord had to be like, hey, man, can you take care of this? I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. You know, because that's just, that's a thing. You know, it, it's awesome that, that it's like she could just let shit go. But she's like, I'd love it if someone could fucking do this. And you're like, it's going to make you that happy. And it's only going to take me a couple hours. Like, you put some headbuds in and it don't matter. You just listen to music. That's That's what I do. Yep. My phone was dying today. I did I did wake up later than I expected to get to her house. Mm-hmm. So I, I left with a dead phone. But um what I was gonna say it's it's weird that I'm almost more willing and apt to go do her stuff for her than I am my own stuff. Mm-hmm. My, my yard's not overgrown. I rent, I don't take care of the flower beds because I'm not gonna pay a bunch of money to make the flower beds look good. But We're you know, expected to here. I, I mow, and I make sure my yard looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she calls me and says, hey, I need your help, I'll drop everything of my yard work to go do hers for her. Because mm-hmm. I know she can't. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, I've built a friendship out of it. Yeah, she's some she's someone who, not only do I help her out a little bit at work, she gives me money and she's gonna give me records. Yeah, she also comes to my place of work, right, to and eat. is a patron mm-hmm. there, and tips me every time. Yeah, you know, and that relationship of just taking care of one another, like. I was I was sneezing up a storm. I've been still sniffing like my allergy medicine's been shit today. I had my face is buried in weeds. Of course, it's going to be terrible no matter what. But afterwards, I'm like, I, I got to go shower right now. I got to wash this pollen off of me. And we started talking. And I stood there for another hour and a half mm-hmm. just talking with her. You know? And that that human connection is really good and. You know, especially with the generation gap. Absolutely. You know, I love being that guy that can still help the older generation. I actually just found out another customer of mine is moving two blocks away. Yeah. She was going to hire a mowing service. Yeah. I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. It's going to be expensive. I'm going to charge you less. Way less. Way less because I want to help you. Mm Mm-hmm. She's like, you oh, like me. She's like, will you shovel my driveway in the winter? I'm like, Duh. Sure. At least like once a day, twice a day, if I can. Like, yeah. I I will do what I can. Yeah. And that's a bigger help than her hiring a professional service that she has yeah. to pay for constantly. And because if it if it if it snows, you run over there at the beginning of the day and you shovel it, and then it snows at two, and she can she can maybe even without even telling you, you just do it. You're like I'm. I'm looking outside. I it covered my driveway. I know it covered yours. It'd take me another ten minutes to run down to your house, shovel your drive too. You know. I have an able abled body roommate. Mm-hmm. His name's Zach fucking Davidson. Right. Shout He's a out decent Zach. guy. Shout out Zach Davidson. He can fucking shovel too. Right. So if I can go help someone else shovel, and, and I guess the best part is, these two ladies they know my work schedule. Mm-hmm. So if they say, hey, this is when I'm going to leave for work, I can shovel it 30 minutes beforehand, mm-hmm. and it's done. Yeah. Guess what I'm doing when I'm not doing that? Sitting at home, mm-hmm. doing nothing. Oh, you Maybe playing. I'll be there at 2.30, making sure it's good for you when you get back. You know? If you want it shoveled between 4 p.m. and 10 p.m., I'm not your guy. Because yeah. you know that's when you come eat at my restaurant. But Building relationships, man. That's what it's all about. How about this beer, though? You you drank I'm a lot drinking, more than I'm me. I'm drinking it. I don't, you, I've, you, I've been you, rambling. You were talking. Everyone gets a chance to ramble. You rambled at the end of the last segment. That was kind of my ramble. Maybe that's what's going to be fun about these post games is when we just get a chance to just, just go off on it for a little bit because we're already lit as fuck. You, you kind of get to see our progression as a listener. You get to go from, oh, first beer. They're focused on the beer. They're focused on the beer. Second beer. All right, they're telling a story, but they're talking about the beer. By the fourth beer. Hardly even talking about the beer. By the fourth beer, you get to know us. Yeah, like we're really just getting it at that point. And now, this is really the us segment. It is. It is. Kind of rambled on about my good deeds for the day. Mm -hmm. Good deeds are fun. Karmatic justice. I feel like I do good deeds for some people, but but when I think about that exact subject, strangely, I think about all the people that do those things for me, um, which 
which it may come across like, like, damn, Nick, like you fucking narcissistic fucking asshole. I, like, no, I was just I'm sure there are for pe- 10 minutes. I know there are people that would say like, Nick, you do this and this and this and this. You do plenty for me. But I, I, I immediately think of all the people that I appreciate, you know, like when I book shows, like I'm not a sound guy. So when people like Cody, Corey, late, more lately, when those people stand up, you're like, fuck, like Corey has done an awesome job. Yeah, he said, this Corey is something I want awesome to do, job. so I'm going to teach myself how to do it and do it for you. Could I have taught myself how to do it? Yeah. Did I want to? Not as much as Corey did. I wanted to teach myself how to do it. Corey wanted to do it more. So he may look at it as me giving him an opportunity, but he definitely has to view it the way I view it, which is, I this is somebody helping me out do something I could not have done otherwise. Um, and I've just got so many of those people that it's like, uh, could I podcast without Nate's help? Yeah. But that's a, a lot. lot it's more effort. It's way more effort. So that's why I try to always give give him and like Dongo their shout outs. Like, couldn't do this without you guys. 